Oh, man. Sorry for the audio here. Our burps. But <laughs> welcome back to Whiteout Weekly. And if you couldn't tell, we had shotgun a beer. And we're, we are still celebrating that 35-21 <laughs> Rose Bowl win over Utah. Although, as great as everything was in that game, we did kind of miss the best sunset in sports because it was like kind of overclass, overcast. So we did miss that, but everything else was amazing. Absolutely amazing. Hence why we're still shotgunning beers a couple <laughs> weeks later. <laughs> but that was yeah, pretty that much... Yeah, game everything. Yeah, that was... I mean, the national championship was sort of a letdown, but pretty much the end of a crazy bowl season... Both Big Ten teams are probably kicking themselves after losing those semifinal matches. I have an opinion on who I think should probably feel worse, but who do you think should feel worse after dropping their game? I think for me, it's Ohio State. You know, you look at how badly Georgia absolutely beat down the Horned Frogs in the national title game, and you're looking at yourselves thinking I'm one Noah Ruggle shank away from having a chance to beat down TCU. 50 yards. I, I think – I like TCU. They were a great Cinderella story, but I think yeah. Ohio State makes that game. I think they also win that ball game. So, I think for them, looking back on this season – especially looking at the C.J. Stroud era where he didn't really come away with anything compared to previous Ohio State quarterback eras where you're at least winning a playoff game. But I think they're the ones kicking themselves at the end of the day. Obviously, Michigan is too, but I think Ohio State had the better chance there. Yeah, and Stroud heading off to the NFL draft. I also agree. I I think it was Ohio State. They were one field goal away from potentially trouncing TCU, but just for argument's sake, if you go by the transit of property, Michigan demolishes Ohio State. TCU gets demolished by uh, Georgia. So if Michigan faces Georgia, you never know. Could be a, could be a closer game. <laughs> yeah. Could be a closer game than what I we I think got. that wor- it works out that way. Yeah, tra- it's middle school math. Simple. It's it's math. A plus it's, B equals C. You know. <laughs> so, uh, bowl season. Couple bad beats on the bowl season. I think I bet what eighty five. I don't know how I got that number, but eighty five percent of the bowls. My worst beat was the Kansas Jayhawks. Money line. I mean, they were out of it. Out of it. They were down 31 to 13 at halftime. Somehow come back, going to triple overtime. And that new rule where it goes in the third overtime and you have to go for two every time. That screwed them. Lost 55, 53. And the worst part about that beat was I took the money line and the spread was two and a half. Yeah. So it's just like a double whammy right there. <laughs> but enough about those other teams. Let's talk some Penn State Nittany line football like we always do. We got two big announcements recently. Curtis 
Jacobs, Adisa, Isaac, running it back. One last dance. One year. Joining Oufashanu, Hunter Norzad, who's most likely taking over for uh, Juice at center, and safety Keaton Ellis coming back. We're still waiting on Theo Johnson, but this is one of the first years that I am confident, I'm the most confident, besides Lockdown U and our stud running backs, I'm the most confident in our offensive and defensive lines in the trenches, which never happens for Penn State. Mm-hmm. Especially when you look at coming into this last season where <laughs> it was the biggest question mark. And then you knew you had the freshman talent coming in at running back, like you said, and to see the development that Phil Troutwine has been able to accomplish in such a short stint. And we're talking about, Obviously, you got Olu Fushano coming back, who's a potential top 10 pick, and his draft stock's going to continue to soar and stay Crazy. at a high level. And all the basically everyone returning, with the exception of Juice Scruggs on that O line, and the infusion of freshman talent. When you talk about a Javen Williams, Alex Birchmeyer, Anthony Donka, <laughs> talking about having a luxury of having this type of depth. You know, those guys are freshmen, and it's very, very rare that freshmen make a huge impact. But you saw what Drew Shelton did this year when he was asked to step up. So I don't think it's out of the question. And from what I've what I've seen, what I've heard is that, that Javen and Birchmeyer are going to get a shot. Uh, you, we'll see whether... wait, wait, you froze there. Gosh. They're going to get a shot at right. starting. They're going to get a shot at starting. At oh, at at guard or at guard and right tackle. They said they're going to start them at tackle, and then depending on how things play out, they may move one of them inside to guard. Okay. I think the the consensus is that one or both of them will move inside, but they're they said you know you get the time to be able to do so. They're they're early enrollees. You got spring ball. You got fall camp to see what they can what they can do at, at the tackle spot, and then they can maneuver from there based on what they see and how they fit in. Yeah, so Birchmeyer, number one ranked player in Virginia. Same with Javen Williams, number one ranked player in Pennsylvania. And then those two states, the top 10 players in Virginia and Pennsylvania, Penn State's got six of the top 10 players in the 2023 class. So absolutely balling in recruiting, thanks to James Franklin. And then we had some coaching staff news, actually. Running back coach Jawan Sider elevated to the assistant head coaching spot and wide receiver coach Taylor Stubblefield was fired, which was a little, little mysterious because, I mean, we've had some sick wide receivers, so you have to question if it was the talent or possibly his lack of development that caused that firing because that kind of seemed out of nowhere. Yeah, definitely came in out of left field. And just the timing of when the news dropped, we'll get into the transfer portal piece. But after he added a huge piece at wide receiver last night, just moments later, the announcement of the firing and not any type of 
uh, wording where it seems like it was mutual. You know, James Franklin just kind of bluntly saying he's been re- been relieved of his duties. So mentioned we've had some some great talent come through, but you know when you look over the course of the last year, not not a ton a development. I think there's a lot of unproven guys still on this roster as we head into the next season, hence why they're looking at the portal pretty heavily at the wide receiver spot, and they were right out the gate. But very, very interesting. And it just when you look at the past two position groups that Franklin's really targeted, you have a Phil Troutwine who's doing big things now with the O-line. You have Mike mm-hmm. Yurcich at O-coordinator. Mm-hmm. When when he's made a move over the last couple of years, he had that nice guy in line targeted and lined up and ready to go. So my my feeling, my gut feeling is that this position that the wide receivers uh, coach position is not going to stay open too long here. I think you'll hear something in the next couple of days. What's uh, Bobby Ingram up to? Is he coaching? I think he's more? getting a phone call. He should be getting a phone call. I think he's getting sure. a phone call. Yeah, hands for days. <laughs> so moving along to the transfer portal as we just mentioned transfer portal in college football is now turning into the nba offseason where mm-hmm. it's like a blake griffin thing guys are just holding people hostage in, in mansions and <laughs> making them transfer to their school basically <laughs> but we got some 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 significant arrivals and some departures as well Current players and then early commits too. So, do you want to start us off with one of my favorite names that I've heard in college football? Uh, my favorite one was I forget the team he plays for, but his name was Pig Pen, actual name. Uh, but Storm Duck, what a name! Cornerback transferred from North Carolina, 46 tackles, tackle for loss, three picks nine pass deflections and a forced fumble in 12 games last season. What else can you tell us about storm duck? Yeah. First, first team, all name in college football. Uh, he's probably in there with Floyd McKinstry and mm-hmm. uh, Dakotas Crawford. So mm-hmm. he's right. He's right along with the greats, but and, uh, has, pig, pig, a, pen. pig pen was his name. Pig pen and pig pen. Can't forget pig pen. Uh, injury-ridden career thus far. Uh, Penn State actually recruited him in the 2019 cycle, former former three-star prospect, uh, but saw a lot of game action last year uh, and is, was finally healthy, uh, appeared in 12 games, like you mentioned, 46 tackles, so was extremely productive. And it's, it's a risk-reward type deal where you don't want him to be occupying a scholarship spot if he's not going to be able to get on the field. So I think Penn State staff probably feels really confident uh, when you look through the physicals and making sure that he's in, in game shape and, and ready to go and free of those nagging injuries. But could be a huge piece of this secondary when you look at uh, the departure of Joey Porter Jr. You're talking about Penn State's first first round pick at the cornerback position in quite some time or possibly ever. Um, you have the the assurgence of Kalen King, who's more more than likely going to take over cornerback one of Lockdown U. Definitely. Got Johnny Dixon coming back. So I think adding depth to that room certainly does not hurt. And I think Storm Duck, along with that great name, I think he certainly provides that. Yeah, before we go into the rest of the uh, the portal gets our secondary. So he's 
most likely going to start on the outside, you would say, across from from Kalen. Yeah, I think you see a mix. Him of and Johnny him. will probably uh, battle for that. I, th- I think him and Dixon could potentially. And then when you look okay. at the nickel spot, you got Daquan Hardy, yeah. who's who's done a lot for this team. Um, so I, I, it's it's going to be interesting to see. I think you got to wait and see how spring ball and fall camp play out. But I think he's talent wise, he's for sure got an opportunity to play on that that opposite side. And then at safety, Jalen Reed, Keaton Ellis coming back, Zaki Wheatley. So there could be a potential for one of those guys if they're in a backup role to potentially be like a safety cornerback hybrid mm-hmm. kind of play both absolutely and and even nickelback yeah. you know if, if we don't have a, a backup to daquan and he's gassed throw someone in mm-hmm. the nickelback spot yeah not a lot of big names in the portal coming penn state's way um besides some wide receivers earlier in the year but you would never guess that Penn State would be a portal destination given the weather, the amazing Penn State weather up there in State College, you know. <laughs> you would never <laughs> think that some of these highly touted high school recruits would choose Penn State after coming from UNC, Florida State, Georgia, like these kind of schools. Yeah, for sure. Not Not a lot of flash, but did get – did get some flash last night. So recording this on, on Monday and then Sunday evening, Dante Cephas announced his commitment to Penn state, who was a highly sought after portal wide receiver, uh, you know, uh, 24th ranked portal target, according to 24 seven sports talking about a guy who's caught almost 2000 or over 130 catches, almost 2000 receiving yards in two years at Kent state. Uh, was definitely highly sought after by this Penn State program and has the potential to be a wide receiver one in the next year for first-year quarterback Drew Aller. So that's huge, huge get for this program. Definitely, yeah, I'm going to have to check the tape on that because as we're talking about um, the wide receiver coach, it, it seems like we have a lot of young talent but no one's really emerged as you know that go-to wide receiver one which i think might might have been part of the reason why he was let go but Mm -hmm. we do have some absolute studs coming in um Mm -hmm. one name that i do want to mention who is a four-star commit according to four seven sports he decommitted from unc just like Storm Duck, linebacker Kavion Keys from Virginia, hmm. joins the other Virginia stud linebacker, Tony Rojas. And I think he he's going to be a huge, huge asset to this future linebacking core. I mean, we already got Curtis, Abdul, Kobe King, and now Kavion Keys and Tony Rojas. So I think linebacker U is about to have a humongous revival not to mention ed rusher mason robinson decommitted from northwestern went to mcdonough high school in maryland 10th ranked overall player in maryland 6'4 233 star commit according to 247 sports yeah i think from a recruiting standpoint it just goes to show the relationship 
you know, you're always going to hear how good of a recruiter Franklin is, but also the rest of the staff and how they're able to stay in tune and, and connected with these guys, even after they commit somewhere. So you look at Kavion Keys committed UNC, I already mentioned Storm Duck, who was at UNC, but Penn State had previously recruited Mason Robinson. So to be able to maintain that relationship. So when you're going after these guys, whether in the middle of a cycle or in the portal, you already have that foundation built. So it's not necessarily like they're starting from scratch so it's just a really a masterful job i think from the recruiting standpoint from uh this staff to be able to go out and get these these high profile guys that's a phenomenal point of them yeah their consistency with even if they go to a different school staying with them keeping up with their Mm -hmm. success whatever's going on with them and then just to go on the the depth of his recruiting we got cameron wallace six foot 183 star commit labeled athlete from Mount Vernon, Georgia, 73rd ranked player in Georgia. So that's the kind of scope that we're working with, with Mm -hmm. James Franklin as our head coach. And before we head to our next section, we just want to give a big thank you to all of our fans and supporters who voted on the WOW Awards. Wow. It started out as just kind of a joke. Owen Wilson, WOW, sponsoring the acronym of Whiteout Weekly. And it turned out to be awesome. It was so much fun putting those plays together, hearing your guys' opinions. So we're going to continue that with our own WOW Awards, not play-based, kind of more individual award-based for us too. Honorable mention for each category, we have one, two, three, four, five, six awards to give out. And that will be coming up next. Wow. 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 And it is time for the first annual WOW Awards given by the folks, the hosts of Whiteout Weekly. Probably should have dressed up more for this occasion. I'm wearing a backwards hat and pit viper sunglasses, but Pucks is not packed from Philly right now, so we'll have to deal with it. We're not going to give out an award first. First, we're going to give some appreciation to some seniors slash draft entries that we are surely, surely going to miss, including the man that changed, I think, an entire fan base's mind with his play over the past four, five games, and that is Captain Sean Clifford. Yeah, Sean Cliff, man, seems like it's been 10, 12 years in the making. But, uh, you know, I know I've been heavy critic. <laughs> eight, yeah. 
I know I've been a heavy critic, but uh, you know, his, his play those last couple games, you know, was, was really something to watch. And when you think about Penn state record books and where he stands um, Penn state's all time leader in passing yards, you know, wins, starts the whole nine yards. Uh, it, it was pretty surreal to see. Yeah. I think it was, it was played very nicely. I'll say by Franklin in that Rose bowl game where he was able to call the timeout. Yeah. Have, have cliff exit, you know, be greeted by his brother, Liam, you know, as he leaves the field and obviously yeah. you see the emotion that was kind of overcoming him. And it, it was a really cool moment, you know, for me, you know, I think, like you mentioned, a lot of Penn State fans are, you know, thankful to be moving into the Aller era. But um, I think for Cliff, you know, he's he's a guy. It's I sound like Sean uh, Chris Collinsworth. He, here's a guy. Uh, I think no, he'll here's a guy. He'll find a spot somewhere. You know, I know he was participating in the Hula Bowl. Uh, I think it was this past weekend. It was kind of like the Senior Bowl where you can just kind of get some drill work in in front of NFL scouts. <laughs> I think he'll win a lot of teams over with the interviews and I kind of put him in that same bucket, not doesn't have the accolades that Stetson Bennett has, but kind of in that same knack where he doesn't stack up to an NFL quarterback, but he just has yes. those tangibles and that grit where even he'll, he'll find a clipboard job somewhere in this uh -huh. league. Yeah. Um, or right. he'll, he'll bounce right. around, you know, all the work that he's done with NIL. He's going to be a successful dude um but you know hats off to him i'm happy to be entering the aller era but you can't goes without saying you know what what he brought to the program over the last four or five years despite all the criticism that he received a lot of it you know was was well deserved um but i think he uh combated it very well and uh didn't let it get didn't, didn't let it get to him so so hats off to mr sean heading off to his next adventure yeah and great great call with i think i'm exactly on point with you with his nfl future mm -hmm. but i think the one like main argument or disagreement that we've had on the show was about clifford where i forget what game it was he played terribly and it was like what what's going on here like we asked what if we could take an anonymous poll what would the players in the locker room say about putting Aller in over Clifford during the middle of the season. And we mentioned the fact that we don't know what's going on in that locker room. We don't know the presence that Clifford brings. And I think that little fact shown through, shined through mm -hmm. during the end of the season. I think he was the guy that everyone in the locker room looked up to, fought mm -hmm. for when shit got tough. He was the one that everyone rallied around and was like, guys, we're good. We got this. We're going. Even though he wasn't the best quarterback, he got the boys going. And that's mm -hmm. in college football. Sometimes that's all you can ask for. All you can ask for. Uh, some more senior appreciation. Bryce Effner. He was part, he was the right tackle on the Purdue legendary drive. I'm calling it legendary because if we don't score that touchdown, we don't, I don't get this yeah. t-shirt. We we don't win the Rose Bowl. None of that happens. You're not wearing those Vipers. Yeah. Not wearing the Vipers. <laughs> Shout out to Bryce Hefner. Phenomenal. All, as a all time nickname too. all time nickname, the slab slab. Yeah. I love that dude. I love that. 
total football guy nickname. But uh, Bryce, you know, he's he called it quits from football in general, you know, which is an, an admirable thing to do. Um, he's going to another guy, you know, a lot of the all these Penn State guys, you know, they get recruited in obviously because they're football talent. But, you know, they're the way that Franklin recruits is he's looking for great overall guys, you know, guys are going to be successful in life as yes. well. So Bryce is one of those guys uh, didn't necessarily excel in one spot. Uh, I think in his, one of his exit interviews referred to himself as a Swiss army knife, which is basically what he was. Yeah. He played all spots of the offensive line. Didn't really it's have for a all around. There's nothing wrong in. with that. Yeah, right. filled in where needed, extra blocking tight end, you know, especially on that on that last Purdue drive. Um, it, just a really big depth piece um, that this offensive line needed as they were figuring a lot of things out. As a Caden Wallace struggled over numerous games, he was yeah. able to step in and and fill that void and step up. So, yeah. um, not a stat sheet stuffer or someone that's going to blow you away, but just a a glue guy on that offensive line unit that needed a, to take a huge step this year. And he was, he was definitely a part of that. That I'm running this down. That's that needs to be an award next year. Glue guy slash yeah. Mr. All around. Yeah. Um, I mean, continuing with just an all time football guy, Nick Carburton. Mm-hmm. Shout out to him. Sending him off winner of uh, our wow award for the John Madden boom hit of the year award on God bless his soul. Oh, I'm like on Tuttle. Indiana quarterback. God bless that man's soul. Um, but going back to your point to uh, Efner and just people, their Penn State players being successful outside of football. I think we have to shout out Justin King on that too with everything that he does with the program, not only him, but just multiple uh, companies and uh, programs that help college athletes out, not only succeed potentially going pro, but just in life in general, Mm because you get that scholarship, Mm -hmm. you're getting a tremendous opportunity going to college. You got a lot to take advantage of. Mm -hmm. Moving on after Nick Carburton, a couple of draft entries, wide receivers, Parker Washington and Mitchell Tinsley. We're going to go more in depth on them later because, spoiler, they're going to win some awards. Same with tight end Brenton Strange. He won the Bouncer of the Year award for that Auburn block where he just pancaked the dude on uh, Singleton's 60-yard run. But that was just trying to find the block of the like we got a lot of comments being like how'd you leave out this one how'd you leave out that one it's like i had to look at over a thousand running plays man like i'm sorry it was <laughs> it was tough to pick out because you could have put two uh strange pancakes a tyler warren pancake mm-hmm. and then you know so it was yeah. tough it was very tough yeah we'll talk more about brent trains later p j mustafer one of the less talked about Penn State players, but one of my all-time favorites. And the origin for my origin story for Iowa being my arch rival, arch villain. <laughs> never, never will like them because of that. I mean, it's not even 
the Iowa fan base. It's really the, the one fan and the coach mm-hmm. that were mocking his injury when he tore his Achilles. Achilles, or was it a, a ligament in his knee? I think it was a ligament. I don't think it was the Achilles. I think it was something with the knee, yeah. uh, knee or lower yeah. leg. Either way, surgery required. Like it was, and then they're just mocking them, thinking that get them, that, yeah, forever origin story of a villain. And then lastly, Jair Brown, aka Tig. Definitely going to talk about more. Talk more about him, but he's weirdly. I was looking at Pro Football Focus's safety rankings. He's tenth. No, tenth at on safety on their so big board. Whatever team gets him is going to get an absolute steal at safety. So going off that, the first Wow Award, unofficially sponsored by Owen Wilson. Wow. Is the Good luck in hike school, Billy, from Billy Madison. Gee, I can't wait till I go to hike school. Hike school spelled H-I-K-E-S, hikes school. Uh, that goes to the best seniors as farewell draft entry. Davey, who you got for that one? For me, I'm going with the one that's probably going to be first off the board come April. Uh, Joey Porter Jr. Wow. Boom. I already mentioned oh. he's likely going to be the first, probably first ever uh, Penn State defensive back to go in round one. Very excited to see what his landing spot may be. Um, he's just going to bring a ton of length, ton of talent Whoa. to any defensive back room in the in the NFL. Uh, so, lot no pressure, Joey. You know, going to be the, like I said, first first round pick out of Penn State at that position group. Um, but he's he's going to be a cornerback one um, for years and years to come. So good luck in high school, Joey Porter Jr. Yeah, and I, I some mock drafts, I think he's – I saw the Steelers possibly getting him, Eagles possibly getting him, so he must stay in Pennsylvania. But I've been doing a little bit of – uh, tape work for just preparing for the draft. And I've watched Keeley, Camp Smith, and Joey Porter Jr. And I have to say, I think Joey Porter Jr., I'm, I am biased, but watching his game against Marvin Harrison and the Purdue game where he was tar- targeted 14 times, I think he's the second best quarterback in the draft. Mm-hmm. I think Keeley's going to go before him, but I honestly think. He's 6'2", 220, Keith Ringo from Georgia. I think he's going to turn into a safety. So I think out of this class, bold prediction right now, JPJ is going to be the best corner in the future. So that's a great pick. I'm going to go with a guy who was the anchor of this offensive line for two seasons straight playing center pretty much all of last season. The year before that, he kind of switched from center to left guard to right guard playing interior, which is, we've talked about, so, so crucial for an offensive lineman to be able to 
go in between those three positions. It's Juice Scruggs. Wow. He had a team high 480 pass pro snaps, one sack allowed. He was one of seven Big Ten offensive linemen that had 450 or more pass block snaps and one or less sacks allowed. And I could have bumped that up to like 550 and made it one of five, but, you know, not splitting hairs here. Tremendous season (laughs) from Scruggs. And over the past two seasons, over 1,000 snaps in pass protection, three sacks allowed. So, again, whoever gets that kid in the draft is going to get a starting center for the next decade at least. Mm -hmm. So good luck in high school, Juice Scruggs. And obviously, we talked about him, but the honorable mention, good luck in high school. And way down the line, good luck as a future, possibly NFL coach, Sean Clifford. Mm -hmm. That's right. The next award, we had a similar one. Split them up between interception and forced fumble slash fumble recovery. But this one is going to be the Jackin Hagar Faceless Man Award, which if you're a Game of Thrones fan, you know exactly what I'm talking about. If you're not, the Faceless Men are a group of assassins who take the face of other people to infiltrate secret spots to kill people essentially <laughs> so this is going to go the most <laughs> underrated player on penn state and when i first thought of the faceless men it was Kalen king wow that was the first guy i thought of just because the secondary is just full of lengthy ball hawking interception missile seeking players so King playing opposite of JPJ, who no team, every team's concept or scheme, every game was to avoid him. So he was getting targeted a ton and he held his side of the field down. 59 targets, 11th most in the Big Ten, 18 pass breakups, led the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. A 90.6 coverage rate, according to PFF second highest cornerback grade in the Big Ten behind Devin Weatherspoon. Haven't watched the tape on him yet, but he's a stud. And then the Rose Bowl. I mean, the dude's stats in the Rose Bowl are like, honestly, video game numbers. Ten times targeted, gave up three catches for 30 yards, had that crazy diving pick, Mm -hmm. no penalties in coverage. 0.0 0.0 passer rating when targeted. That's possible. <laughs> I, I mean, I three for 30, but then the interception. So it's 30% accuracy and an interception. Yeah. Zero later. So that is my Jack and Hagar faceless man of the year and future CB one. All right. For me, uh, didn't kill anyone this year, but Hunter Hunter Norzak, <laughs> you know, for me. Wow. You think of faceless man? Ah, I, I laid some, he laid some people out though. <laughs> That's right. Uh, typically lean to the offensive line. Uh, you know, usually if you're not hearing their name, then they're they're doing pretty well for you. But 
Hunter Norzad, uh, Ivy League experiment round two in the transfer portal last year. Uh, teammate Eric Wilson that came in from Harvard uh, wasn't didn't quite pan out to I think what what the staff was expecting. But Hunter Norzad from Cornell came in from day one and really added depth to this O line and then was able to take over uh, some key spots when. When you talk about when a Landon Tangwall goes down at left guard, and he's able to fill in there, uh, taking snaps at backup center, where now you're talking about where you're losing a guy like Juice Scruggs, like you mentioned, but he he's going to be able to fill in pretty seamlessly and be your starting center heading into next year for first year quarterback Drew Aller. So, you know, I think what he was able to accomplish in one year and making the jump from Ivy League to Big Ten play is a huge, huge leap, and he made it seem pretty seamless. Um, again, didn't hear his name a lot this year, but he did a lot for that offensive line and for that depth, and is going to continue to do so heading into next year, into 2023. No, and I think that's what you said was perfect. That Like, not hearing his name, that's the definition of a faceless man. You know, you don't, mm-hmm. you're not going to hear his name all game, but he's doing his job and getting it done. And the honorable mention for that award, kind of going along the same lines of you don't hear his name often, but he's doing his job, which is eating double teams and allowing other pass rushers to get to the quarterback or to the running back. That is P.J. Mustafer. Going to go down as one of my all-time favorite Nittany Lions. The next award, New Kid on the Block best freshman slash newcomer so nick singleton i mean clearly could win this award for both of us but he won the big 10 freshman of the year which is you know a little more prestigious than winning a wow award unofficially sponsored by owen wilson so besides singleton who you going with davy for me it's it's got to be the man occupying that edge spot, the the man who uh, keeps the transfer portal very interesting, didn't enter until very late in the cycle. Uh, Another individual that was targeted early on in his recruitment uh, before uh, deciding to go to Maryland, before coming back to Happy Valley, but Mr. Chop Robinson. Uh, I love that. I love that. I know this. Everyone in the fan base was excited once he uh, made that commitment to move from Maryland and come to Penn State, but he was everything and more that you expected to get out of him from a former, you know, four and and, in some sites, five-star prospect. Uh, When you look at PFF, you know, one of the highest graded, if not the highest graded uh, power five pass rusher over the course of the season. And to think of, you know, the eligibility that he still has left and the and what the mark that he was able to make this year and coming back next year and occupying that DN spot, you know, look at the beginning of the season, he wasn't even starting. Um, he was coming in in relief, um, you know, from a, for a Nick Tarberton and Disa Isaac. So to which, give which him a crazy. full run of spring ball, to give him a full run of winter workout, spring ball, fall camp, and to think what the, what he can do next year is, is scary talk. Um, but for me, you know, I think chop was a huge, huge impact. And we saw what AK was able to do for this team out of the portal, uh, you know, two years ago. And I think chop did that. And then some this past season. Yeah. 
I mean, back to back, AK, Chop, and then Chop next year. I think dominating yeah. edge rushers coming through the portal. Portal. But let's talk about our edge, a little tangent, our edge rushers for a second. We got Chop, Adisa, Dennis Sutton, Amin Vanover, all rotating in that defensive line unit. And then we got uh, Jameer Lyons, four star, 6'4", 255-pound edge from Roman Catholic in Philly. Second-ranked player in PA. I mentioned that we had six of the top 10 players in Pennsylvania. Then another edge rusher coming in, uh, Tamir Robinson, four-star, 6'4", 255-pound edge from Pittsburgh. He's the fourth-ranked player in PA. So, again, one of the first seasons that we're going into that I'm so confident in both of the offensive and defensive lines. But my new kid on the block is going to go to Nick Singleton's partner in crime. He does win the Big Ten Freshman of the Year, but he wins the new kid on the block Wow Award, which is, come on, that's just as good. Wow. So Katron, regular season, finished with 830 rushing yards. That was 10th in the Big Ten as a backup, essentially. 5.3 yards per carry. That was ninth in the Big Ten. 27 runs over 10 yards. Fourth most in the Big Ten. Eight of his 12 games, he had 70 or more rushing yards. So not only do we have Nick Singleton, who's a top three back, we have Fat Man, who lost so much weight, changed his rank style, his vision mixed with that desire to just see contact first and just take on that defender is awesome to see paired with Nick Singleton. Top 10 back, top three back in the Big Ten for the next, for the near future. And then we did mention him in the uh, edge rushers, but denied Dennis Sutton. Honorable mention, I think, for the best freshman that Newcomer, you agree with that one? DDS, yeah, another key key cog from that McDonough High School pipeline uh, showed a lot of flash this year and a lot of relief duty. Um, so excited to see again another guy where you know when you put him through another winter workout, spring ball, fall camp, what he's going to be able to do as a sophomore is is very very scary. Our last three, the most important ones. The Iron Lion Most Improved Player of the Year. Davey, who is your pick? For me, so member of the the faceless men in the secondary. Uh, transfer, another transfer portal get from last season. Coming over from South Carolina. Going with Mr. Johnny Dixon. Yeah, I, think. I love that pick. Um, wow. The, the jump between last year and this was, was substantial. Uh, you know, saw a lot more game action this year and, and was trusted out there on uh, Dixon Island and a lot, a lot, a uh, lot more key spots on a lot of crucial, crucial moments of this season. I think the improvement was, was vast and excited to see what he can do with another year under his belt coming back next year to help lead uh, this group. Um, and just another, 
another win in the transfer portal that's going to continue to uh you know help this program as the as the transfer portal becomes more and more a part of college football they're going to be able to look to someone like Johnny Dixon who played for an SEC school in South Carolina mm-hmm. uh didn't quite pan out but was able to come to Penn State and really uh kind of turn his career around and improve his draft stock and that's he's going to be another selling point on the recruiting trail when you're looking at a transfer target hey look at what johnny dixon was able to do here in two years time so uh a win for this staff a huge development piece and and really uh, a big improvement this year uh when you talk about last year to this for uh mr dixon yeah you got look what the players have done when they come here and look at the penn state weather it's amazing both that's right beautiful <laughs> but so they i think i think herb street did the rose bowl right mm-hmm. i think he mentioned he was like with jpj out and Kalen king mainly it was after j Kalen king's interception like johnny mm-hmm. dixon's gonna be thrown out a lot guess what thrown out three times no catches allowed two pass breakups did have one penalty in coverage NFL passer rating when thrown at, which is the same thing as just throwing the ball into the dirt every time Mm -hmm. you drop out to pass. And PFF graded him with a 72.1 coverage grade, which was the third highest on the team. So him and Kalen King locking down the outsides are going to be awesome, awesome next year. For my... Most improved, I'm going with the guy we talked about already, coming back for next season, Adisa Isaac across from Chop. Wow, you're so dominant. 2020, he had 13 tackles, one and a half sacks. Unfortunate Achilles tail tear training for his sophomore year. And then this year just comes back with a vengeance. 28 total tackles, 15 of those were solo. He had four sacks, which was, I think, tied for fourth on the team. And was just, he just, a lot of his pressures won't go down the stat books, but they caused a lot of, not like, not only turnovers, but just bad plays in general for the opposing team. He was just a complete disruptor this year. And coming off that Achilles tear, just, Sky's the limit for that kid next year. I'm so glad he's coming back. Definitely need him. And I I think he's going to be one of the most talked about edge rushers in the Big Ten next season. And then our sure. most, our honorable mention, sorry, for most improved Iron Lion is another defensive lineman, Hakeem Beeman, who I'm also really pumped about. For next season yeah gonna be a huge piece to fill in for uh uh when you talk about the loss of a pj mustafer so you know he's gonna be part of that depth on the inside that needs to fill that void but a big big year for uh mr beeman and the last two the manny diaz demon defensive player of the year award our honorable mention is Curtis Jacobs, who might win the award next year. But Davey, go ahead and give us your pick first. 
So for me, this was a guy that for, for me flashed from that week one matchup against Purdue and then really just stormed onto the scene and everyone just fell in love with him. But the new number 11 and LBU, Mr. Abdul Carter. Wow. AKA Mr. Incredible. Wow. Uh, wow. Congratulations. Wow. Uh, 56, 56 tackles on the year. You know, 36 of them solo, six and a half sacks. Another guy mentioned Chop where he wasn't necessarily starting each game. So, you know, they had some games where he was the official starter alongside Curtis Jacobs. So excited to see a lot more of that next year where it's him, you know, and Jacobs. Um, But really just bursted onto the scene and mentioned week one against Purdue where his first career action, first career hit, he's ejected for targeting. Yeah, and talk about uh, a kid who, during his recruitment, you know, James Franklin mentioned where he walked into his living room. There's just a bench press in his Philadelphia home <laughs> at his parents' house. So, uh, definitely has that commercial reps, dude. That... Every time there's commercials, <laughs> yeah. just get some reps and set ups, push ups. So, a, a guy who's just built, uh, you know, for this stage, and talk about just a freshman in the flash that he showed. Uh, so can't even imagine what his career is good, what we're going to be talking about in two years time, two more years time when we're looking at a potential first round draft prospect. Cause he's uh, to me, he's a surefire NFL first rounder, you know, oh in God, two, yeah. two more years time. But so thinking about having him here on campus for two, at least two more years is a scary, scary thing for all big 10 opponent uh, opponents. So I think from, me he's the definition of a manny diaz demon uh yes. the way he is just a fucking heat seeking missile when he gets after the quarterback yeah like the way heat seeking missiles the way to put it like the way he he won the sack lunch award for sack of the year the way mm-hmm. he can blitz from either a gap and just blow by the center before the ball like by the time the quarterbacks getting the snap and shotgun abdul's there like ready to make you scramble one way or the other and i think it was it was michigan state um even when they put a running back in there to try to chip the the blitzer Mm -hmm. bert uh i always mess up this guy's name bergeron burger michigan state running back burger Burger, yeah bergeron was the bruins center for like (laughs) (laughs) so even when he goes to chip it's just like one boom gone got the angle Mm -hmm. at pete and thorn and pete and thorn even was like i'm not even gonna run i'm just falling down you're you're, you're just gonna touch me and sack me here so (laughs) tremendous pick sky's the limit for that kid and i mean Mm -hmm. the way he can go sideline to sideline blitz cover it's all there all there mm. just got to keep going one no mentality every day for that kid but i'm gonna go with someone who i mentioned that is way too low on draft boards way too low on draft boards he had huge shoes to fill in terms of jaquan brisker who is currently crushing it in the nfl but my manny diaz demon defensive player of the year is going to jair brown Welcome to the 700 Club, kid. I mean, Brisker is up there too, but he is one of the highest football IQs and ball hawking skills as a defensive back that I've seen come through Penn State in a long time. 
led the team with 74 tackles this year. 56 of them were solo or he was literally everywhere on the field. He had 27 defensive stops, which PFF defines as a tackle that results in a quote-unquote failure for the offense. That was second on the team. Going by more traditional stats, seven tackles for loss. That was fifth on the team. Four and a half sacks, third on the team. So that's just straight pressure and tackling. Four interceptions, most on the team. And if you look at the four interceptions he had this year, it's just all high IQ ability to read a quarterback's eyes, route concepts, and just break on a ball when he knows exactly when it's going to get thrown. Also had two forced fumbles, first, and a fumble recovery. So again, I don't know how he's ranked so low. But whatever team drafts him in April is going to get a stud and possibly a starter for at least eight years. And on to our last award, we're going to go... We're going to title this the Michael Robinson Offensive Player of the Year Award. Uh, We'll start with the honorable honorable mentions just because there's so many different players that could have fit this slot from, you know, Scruggs anchoring the offensive line to Clifford being the leader that he was. But the two co-honorable mentions are going to go to Parker Washington, Mitchell Tinsley. Wow, a little hard in everything. Washington finishes 12th all-time in Penn State history in receiving yards with 1,920 past Joe Jervicious, who's 13th, who mm. Joe Jervicious, any Eagles fan knows, hate him. Hate him. <laughs> Had so many ridiculous <laughs> touchdown catches against the Eagles. Blew my mind. And I don't know why <laughs> Penn State somehow gets drafted by every team that the Eagles have a rivalry with. It's getting kind of annoying. But regardless. The NFC East. NFC East loves Penn State. Yeah. He's 12th all-time Penn State career receiving yards. Congratulations to him. And I think the most impressive stat from him he didn't see that many targets played in 10 games, but he had a 69.7% catch rate, which was seventh in the Big Ten. So we put out a tweet about Tinsley and uh, Parker Washington, but they're both just have insane hands and the ability to make people miss after the catch. Parker Washington... Tied for third in the Big Ten with 15 missed tackles, fourth missed tackles, forced. Tinsley, ninth, eight missed tackles, fourth. I guess band coverage. Tinsley was sixth with a 71.4% contested catch rate. So just sure handed guy. Washington, tied for third, 75% contested catch rate. And then yak yards, 6.4 yak per reception for Parker Washington, eighth in the Big Ten. And then Tinsley, anytime he caught the ball, it was going for six or going for a big gain. He had 16.7 yards per reception, which was 
fourth in the Big Ten. And then one of the craziest stats I found, two Big Ten schools had players with 40 or more receptions and less than four drops. You would think Ohio State or Michigan would be one of them. Nope. Purdue with Charlie Jones, TJ Sheffield, Chuck Sizzle, and Payne Durham, and Penn State with Washington and Tinsley. So those are the honorable mentions for the Michael Robinson Offensive Player of the Year. Dave, who are you giving this prestigious award to? Like the uh, the freshman or the transfer portal guys are taking these awards over, but I gotta go with the freshman sensation at tailback. Oh, sorry, not Katron Allen, but Mr. Nick Singleton. Wow, you're so dominant. Who, you know, uh, I think us along with you know Penn State fans everywhere had the hope that he would be special, but. The year that he had, I don't know that we could have chalked it up, especially with the offensive line concerns. But when you go back and look at the stats, 156 carries, just over 1,000 yards, 12 touchdowns, 6.8 yards per carry, and six games this year where he touched the ball less than 10 times and still finished with those types of numbers. So That's not a lot of tread absurd. on those tires. That is so <laughs> Not absurd. a lot of tread needed. For this, for him to make an impact on the game, I think if I had one, uh, you know, area critique heading into next year, I'd love to see him get a little bit more involved with the passing game. You know, the screen game. When you think Agreed. about how Saquon was able to turn, you know, a, a little swing route or a quick screen into a, a huge game, he's got that type of game breaking speed and uh, ability, but couldn't really have asked for more you look at how he finished up the year in the rose bowl seven carries 120 yards two touchdowns including that electric 87 yard run so uh without a doubt for me it's got to be it's got to be mr nick singleton love that love that um i'm gonna go with another guy who is for i it's probably because of my penn state bias but he's not up there on the tight end boards i mean there's a lot of there's a lot of talented tight ends this year but Mm -hmm. brent strange wow not only for what he did in the passing game 84.2 percent catch rate fifth among all power five tight ends he had a 7.3 yak average 19th in all power five big tens and then versus man coverage, dominant. You can't stop him in man coverage. Throw the ball anywhere. Look at the Illinois catch. Throw it anywhere. He literally reached around that linebacker, caught the ball. <laughs> 90.9 catch rate against man coverage. First among all power five tight ends. And a 100% contested catch rate. First among all power five tight ends. He was four for four there. But it's not only that, like I said, it's his ability to run block. There's countless clips of him out there just pancaking defensive linemen or linebackers into the dirt. And he had zero sacks slash pressures attributed against him. 
which was tied for first among all power five tight ends. And we talked briefly about Dawkins coming in at left tackle for Olu and the right tackle, just problems in general. He was a huge part of that Mm -hmm. in those 12 formation sets, helping out those left tackles with edge rushers and blocking. So I think he had a lot of unsung plays that didn't get mentioned at all, but then he also had a lot of, you know, highlight plays where he's doing uh, somersaults into the end zone and (laughs) catching balls behind people's backs. So Brenton Strange, my Michael Robinson offensive player of the year. And again, I think someone's going to get an absolute steal at tight end with him. Love it. That will do it for the first annual WOW Awards. We want to thank you all again for voting and engaging with us on social media. We absolutely love it. Penn State football community is one of the best in all of the nation. We love to do this, and we're going to continue doing it all offseason with different transfer portal people coming in, different recruits, maybe talk more about the 2024 class. We got a lot of episodes on deck, a lot of stuff coming to you guys. But once again, thank you so much for listening to us talk Penn State football, and we will see you in a bit. Less than three months till the Blue White game, baby. Three months. Okay, let's go. We got something on our calendar. See you guys then. Let's go. Thanks, guys.